the Say Something Podcast is brought to you by AmomentWithMorris.com and BlackBlueprints.com. That's BlackBlueprints with a Z dot com. I'm Jermaine Morris here with the one only Mr. Barry Axius. Peace and blessings, family. Bringing you the newest episode of the Say Something Podcast. Say something, say something, say something. Where, as always, we get together and talk about everything out here in the life, out here in the world, out here in these straits. In these cold, cold, cold oak trees. <laughs> Smooth out. Always find the Say Something Podcast on SoundCloud.com as well as on iTunes. That's Say Something with Jermaine Morris and Barry Axius. Make sure you listen, comment, share, subscribe, download, do all that sort of stuff. We appreciate it. Bringing you episode number 52 as we uh, keep rolling them out here for you. Come on, man. You got this new trend, so let's see what's going to happen. Yeah. I want It's all one. about the women, women power. No, no, not just women. I just I wanted to start off last one because we hadn't mentioned any women, but I just want to incorporate women. Oh, we started it. with Mary J. Blige. Yeah, she got a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame last week. Didn't she? Mm-hmm. She just now got a just star? Just got it. Yeah, just got a star last week. That's uh, weird. Yeah, what I'm saying about that. No, I'm just saying it's just weird. <laughs> you I thought, thought that at, yeah, at her height she would have gotten she'd it. She would have got that ways. Like, what are they giving her some type of, like, we feel bad for you star award? It's like, yeah. damn. I think that's a. I mean, I, she is the queen of the struggle. If, yeah, if struggle had a soundtrack, it would be sung by Mary J. Blige. You know, but she brought a, a different sound. There was like some folks in the barbershop that was arguing that Mary J. Blige can't sing. No, that's not true. I, she, I, I, I tend to disagree with that. You know what I'm saying? I think she's one of the more better vocalists um, that we've had in a long time. If you look at it, you know what I'm saying? I'm not. And I'm not comparing her to some of the all-time greatest, yeah. but I'm talking about in the you know recent what 20 years, 25 years or something like that. Yeah, she, she had a very powerful voice. She was uh, distinguished voices. Yeah, voice. and, and she would even say that she doesn't have the range that she did when she came out, but yeah. that had to do with life choices. Yeah. Uh, but I can't think anybody. She kept in her pocket. She 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 stayed where she was at. I thought she. You had. know, and she could belt out. Uh, this this episode I like to dedicate to a, to a, to a certain gentleman. Now you going this. back to the gentleman. We gonna cover both. We ain't leaving nobody out. Ray Lewis. Nah. He was born originally. He was born in West Germany. His father was in the military, but he was he was, came over. He, he was, lived his life in Sacramento. And so uh, when he got to be about thirteen, he went to seminary school in Galt. If you're not familiar with the geography, Galt is like the next town over. It's a stone's throw away from Sacramento. And as he got to uh, seminary school, he was studying. He started reading about different philosophers like Kierkegaard, Nietzsche, and, and all this stuff. And what he started learning in philosophy started to contradict what he had been reading in the Catholic Church. Like just some of the philosophies and thoughts that he was putting together, they just conflicted with the religion that he was being hit with. So it ultimately made him kind of branch out a little bit and, and kind of start seeing things differently. He really started up in a reading game like that was that was his thing. He also had a thing for theater. So uh, his breakout role was, was uh, he played the part of Kunta Kinte hmm. back in, in 77 in a TV uh, adaptation of, of Roots. Uh, revised the role in 88 when they did Roots, the, uh, the gift. And uh, he had started a program because he got his, his base in, in literacy. Uh, which was a PBS show which aired for 23 seasons that had over 200 awards, Emmys, everything that you can think of. 
uh, when it came to TV awards, the show adapted. The show was called Reading Rainbow. Mm-hmm. Uh, the brother then went on to play his profound role was uh, was uh, Lieutenant Jordy LaForge on uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation. He went on to do documentaries. He he was a part of uh, legacies when it had to do with historical figures. He was involved in uh, doing films that uh, told the tale of uh, Jesse Owens, Booker T. Washington, Martin Luther King. He did documentaries on science, uh, did a lot of stuff when it had to do with uh, just education. And he has spent the bulk of his life trying to teach and to to push and promote the power of literacy and education to his people. Though he said he was born in in West Germany, he lived his life in Sacramento. So we give a little love one time to brother Mr. LeVar Burton. Hopefully we can get a fucking... Sound machine, so we can. Oh, we don't need no it. sound machine. We gotta show that personal love. Man. That personal love. Yeah, that brother from here, from Meadowview. If you know the Is Sacramento, that right? yeah, if you know the Sacramento area, you need to come back and help he, Meadowview. He, he from Meadowview, and uh, just just a solid brother. That's what it is. You know, really, really big on information. You know, we highlight uh, athletes and, and highlight you know entertainers and stuff. And no, he's an entertainer. He, he's he's really a, an educator. Yeah. And so I, I think we need to give those guys like. Those those men and women need to give them some shine too. Oh, that and, brother, that's that's that brother was doing his thing, man. I yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, I mean, rainbow and all that. Yeah, he's, I mean, solid cat. And because why I think it's important that we have to take the time out to to be there for kids mm-hmm. and, and to show that we not only want them to be a certain type of person, but we're there to help them get there. Yeah, like it's one thing to sit there and say, I want you to be successful. I want you to go to college. I want you to get a good job, marry this dude, marry that woman, have these kids, whatever. It's another thing if you say, let's let's map out a plan and, and I'm going to be there with you to help you get there, being involved. Because uh, we see often that a lot of kids are left alone, that they get victimized, that there's predators out there, that, yeah. that, that you know, that, that the streets is dangerous. This <laughs> is death row. You know, and if you don't play if you ain't on your P's and Q's, the living room can be dangerous. Oh, <laughs> you know, the living room may not be safe because there's a lot of stories that have come out as of late where 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 the living room is dangerous. Yeah, the whole situation. What what is? Did you hear about that situation with the uh, what's that? The parents had all their kids. Thirteen held kids held hostage in Riverside. That shit crazy. Man. Ages two to twenty nine. Yeah. Held hostage where they were. Uh, so the twenty nine year old, they found her and she weighed about eighty two pounds. Yep. And they said the thirteen year old was physically seven. And that the kids were forced to to uh, they were sleep deprived. Mm-hmm. They were forced to stay awake. They were only fed at specific times. <laughs> they were only allowed to bathe once a year. Mm hmm. And then when as forms of punishment, they were chained to the beds where they were forced to urinate on themselves. And that's also where they slept. They were beaten, uh, hogtied. Uh, the only kind of outlet that they were given was that uh, they were allowed to write in journals. Mm. So when the authorities came through the house, they found hundreds and hundreds of these journals all, you know, on the residents on the premises. And they said what was crazy is for a two to twenty nine year old to be held hostage for so long, CPS nor the police had never heard of these people. Like it's not like the case where the old girl was was kidnapped and the police came and investigated and just didn't try that hard and yeah. didn't see anything. 
See, Child Protective Services, law enforcement never had. There was never a report on them. Never, never. Like they, they, these people did not exist according to them. Mm. Off yeah. the radar. Off the uh, radar. Yeah, they, they, they kept it in pocket, and and they just said the levels of abuse. I mean, it was just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know, and and and, and you got to remember, this is from their parents. Yes, this isn't a case of uh, kidnapped, and then this is what the, what the, the the abductors did to them. Uh, ultimately, they said one of the issues, I guess, with the older sibling is the one that took it was a two year mastermind plan put together for the escape, which was almost foiled because one of the younger siblings had Stockholm syndrome, pretty much. Because as they were running and escaped, this younger sibling got scared, turned around and ran back because just the idea of leaving w- w- was was too much. And something that, you know, they're, they're looking at how malnourished these folks were and, and stuff they got to address. These people have no life skills. Mm. They have absolutely no idea about the world and real world interactions, and and it's gonna be an uphill battle for these folks. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, our society is so so bothersome and so sick at the same time that <clears throat> numerous things that you hear, you would when you hear it, you're like, wow, damn. Um, there's no way that. This kind of abuse, this kind of neglect, uh, this kind of sickness would be parents who are supposed to love, protect, uh, provide for their children to do these heinous acts, right? You you first hear these things like, oh, wow, who the hell allowed their kids to be around these people? And then you find out like, huh? They were the people that gave birth? It's just crazy. And the fact that they were able to kind of go unquestioned, unchecked yeah. for so long, right? There was, didn't, no one saw any kind of funny signs ever. You know, 2020 hindsight. So you had one neighbor that was saying they thought it was weird because they said the way that they, they used to, they had them up all night and then sleep during the day so they said that it was weird said it would be quiet during the day then at night all the lights were on and that's when they seemed like there was activity so one you know one neighbor thought it was just kind of weird and another neighbor had said they knew that the children existed but never saw them so they just thought it was weird that they never saw 13 kids like you never saw two out there in the backyard or or somebody playing catch in front of the house you know that that sort of stuff uh but no one thought it was on on those types of levels and it's interesting because so in our society, if you're the parents of these kids and you abuse your kids this way, uh, you jail time. I think that the bail was set at 12 million apiece mm. per, per parent. But this is also the same society that if you're if you do something which causes the, the life lost of your child, we typically don't prosecute. Mm. Like there was also a family that just uh, that adopted a, a rescue pit bull. Yeah. And they had the dog for five days and the the dog mauled like their three year old daughter and killed her. Mm. You know, this, this five days is not long enough to know anything. Yeah. You know, let alone a stray dog that you have no idea where it's history, it's triggers, where the abuse comes from, nothing. There's no neglect or anything seen as the parents because the loss of your child is considered punishment enough. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's kind of weird how we look at this stuff, you know, how we do and don't protect our children. Yeah. You know, I think that because there was another case and this is it was kind of piggybacking off the Me Too stuff 
the story of a let me make sure I get her name right. Dylan Dylan Farrow, mm. daughter of uh, Mia Farrow. Yeah, uh, the one who was uh, saying that <laughs> she was abused by a dude who I for the life of me can't figure out how he how he's walking. How yeah, how he been roaming these streets for so long. Uh, Woody Allen. <laughs> you know, story came out. The original pedophile yeah, of dude, Hollywood. Almost 30 years ago, the accusations came out about how he sexually assaulted her as a child, uh, which was just kind of swept under the rug. They said, oh, we investigated. We couldn't see nothing. And it's the same man that married his stepdaughter. Now, let's go back. To, let's let's go to that. Yeah. Married his stepdaughter. stepdaughter. So the two things, because the one thing that people go to, which which kind of smokes it up, is they 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 were involved technically when she was twenty twenty one, the the uh, the stepdaughter in Woody Allen, but he met her when she was nine. So that's if if you got with a girl who had a stepdaughter, this this is you know adopted daughter. This is no blood to you, not even blood to the woman that you're with, and she's twenty when you meet her. And and you, that's with bad form, and that's foul. Yeah. But if you meet her when she's nine, eight, nine years old, and then you raise her from eight, nine to twenty, then you start effing her. Some needs to be that you didn't start effing her when she was twenty. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> My whole thing is how and the freak do you even look at right you look at stepdaughter daughter whatever yeah. you know what i'm saying and, and and just uh the boldness to say i'm gonna marry you and i'm gonna put it out there as if this is okay is there something sick going on in your mind yeah or it's something that you've witnessed that is being okayed but here is the 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 whole aura and that's not going to say all of hollywood but this is just if you look at it it's almost a sick cult that you have in hollywood where a lot of these things that we're learning now people are speaking out it's exactly what a lot of folks who have been banned or um exiled who've been made to feel that they're crazy have been speaking out on talking about these different cults talking about these different secret societies and Watching guys like Woody Allen still be renowned as a great director, producer, and still be loved hasn't been totally outcast or shamed. No. And again, I always like to preference the whole Bill Cosby. Now, the Bill Cosby case, of course, 60 accusers. I'm not saying Bill Cosby is innocent in any of this stuff. I, I feel he's gotten what he deserves. But. Well, if he's gotten what he's deserved, and rightfully so, yeah. right? That's the what is supposed to happen with all these other guys that get caught up or females. Everybody that get should be getting. Blood. Why has Woody Allen been able to just have these headlines? We talk about it, and there's no prosecution. He's never been held on trial. He's never been put on the trial and the basis of Bill Cosby no, at all. There was an investigation. Where they came back and said that they couldn't find nothing. What what they said was that this was just a, a coached child because her, her mother was bitter, and so because he decided he wanted to be with somebody else, and so that 
this was just a, a drummed up story by the mother telling her daughter to go out and say this because this is, you know, because she was angry and, 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 and bitter. You cannot have a person in my in my idea who has married his stepdaughter, right? That he knew since she was nine. Married his stepdaughter. Yeah. Again, like you said, knew since nine. Because that's a huge piece. Knew since nine and think there's something normal about that yeah. shit. Like I said, if if you if you met a woman and she got a stepdaughter and you meet the woman and she 40 with a 22 year old stepdaughter that ain't her biological daughter, you just foul if you're looking at the stepdaughter it's just sideways. Foul. Well, yeah, it's, you just foul. Yeah. But you raised a nine year. What's nine? Second grade? Bruh. Second, second, third grade, mm-hmm. something like that. Something like that. You know, you you was there from second, third grade. That's a that's a, a summer out of finger paint. But it's but my whole thing is like. People in these positions of power, because with positions of, of this nature, success, notoriety, um, you gain so much access, right? Yeah. And we've, we've seen it and witnessed it. Certain guys who wouldn't get the time of day with certain women because of their status, they got access all Woody day. Woody Allen ain't smashing in these streets. Just, just. Just on looks. Okay, yeah. exactly. So Woody Allen being that guy that has that status as yeah. the, you know, definitely a, a, a power broker in um, Hollywood has to be because for him to continue to do whatever he does and allegation upon allegations and the fact that he still um, offered invites when we know well, he married his stepdaughter. Hmm, okay, that's interesting. Not illegal, but still weird as fuck. He has access to have women to his leisure, right? Yeah. We know what certain women will do just to be in the know, be in the money, and to be in the circle. Just for a casting call. Exactly. (laughs) Why does he feel to be a predator, right? That's the part that is very worrisome and is very sick. How is it that this dude looks at it with all the access he has, still sees that I need to follow this sadistic trend of um, manipulation, molestation, and just real um, nastiness with folks that he's supposed to take care of, folks that he's supposed to um, provide for. It just, to me, baffles me. Because if I had all this access to some of these guys, dude, I'm not even looking the way of anyone that's my stepdaughter, anyone that's my daughter, my cousin, yeah. whatever. You know what I mean? It yeah. just doesn't make any sense to so me. So the access it brings us to another dude while we on this line. To uh, say his name right, Larry Nasser. That dude. Damn. So Woo! this the epitome of access. Larry Nasser from MSU, uh, former Olympic gymnast coach, uh, coach medical trainer, whatever. Uh, he was recently uh had to deal with the he was so he's got two things going on he's got federal charges and state charges so uh on the federal charges he was already uh convicted to 60 years so he's 54 years old convicted to to 60 years for possession uh and moving either receiving or sending over 37,000 images of child pornography so he got 60 years for that off top. 
114 before he walks out and sees the light of day. From that, there are roughly, and I'm sure the number's even going to go up, but right now, about 135 different women who have come saying that he molested, sexually assaulted something at some point in time. 135 women. Because if you're not familiar how gymnasts work, these are little girls. And if, you, if your kid's ever been in gymnastics and they really start to move up, and they, especially when we start talking on the Olympic level, mom and dad typically don't travel like that. Mm-hmm. Normally what happens is that, that there's, a, there's a, a really, really good coach you know, that you kind of trust. And then you kind of you, you make the rounds. And if they're reputable and you put your, your leap of faith, you know, your kids in Germany, your kids mm-hmm. in Korea, your kids in Russia, your kid, you know, what I mean, your, your kid is all over traveling, competing. And usually the whole family don't make those trips. And so, you know, you have a lot of incidences where coaches get named for doing stuff inappropriately. But a lot of people don't think about the medical staff. You know, because in gymnastics, as well as any sport, when you start competing on that level, there's always a sprain. There's always a pulled muscle. There's always a, a, a torn disc. There's always a dislocated shoulder. Like this gymnast, you're flipping upside down and falling on your head all the time. So for almost 20 years, he was the Olympic coach. And all these cases came out. So uh, the sentencing came to they worked a plea bargain down to where they gave him just conviction of 10 different counts. Mm of some form of uh, sexual misconduct where the low, the plea bargain had a couple of stipulations. One of them is, is that all the accusers get to say their piece. Mm. So he has to sit there and listen to, uh, for the state side, 125 women give their accounts and, and, and express their feelings about what happened. And then on the sentencing side, it's a, the low end is 40 years. And the, they're pushing for one year per woman. So the low end is 40 years at up to 125 years, which will start after the 60 year sentence. So he got to do that 60 federal first. And then after the 60, he starts a minimum of 40 years sentence after that to a, to a maximum 125. How in the hell did dude even get to a point to where it was that many girls? Like, did anyone not feel something was wrong? I mean, did he uh, threaten them? Did, did people just trust this guy so, to the point where it was like, ah, you know, not him? You know, some of the cases were he was so reputable and had so much, so much. His pedigree was was so deep. Like this is the guy you go to yeah. for this. So if you're first off, if you're young, you know, you're not trying to rock the boat. Two, this is the Olympic team. Like, this is what all your dreams is made of. Are you really trying to walk away from that? And then the third one is, is that this is, you know, that dude. So, like I said, there's a lot of now. There's women who are grown women. Some of them yeah, are Olympic, out. Olympic gold medalists, yeah. like really, really well established women who were, you know, Wheaties box women mm-hmm. uh, who were all coming out saying, yeah, he, he he did something when when I had to go see him when I was 12 or when I was 10. Yeah. It just, I don't. I don't see where these guys believe that they're gonna get away with it, man. Like, it's not even worth. It's just I mean, almost not, twenty years. He, he, yeah, he felt yeah, like he he made it. You know, well, I, I guess you know. And at the end of the day, now you're gonna have to spend um, the last bit of your entire life. I don't think being be someone's bitch. Yeah, I don't. I think he's gonna 
live a very I mean, long, it's, short life. It's gonna, it's gonna, he's gonna commit suicide, dude. It's, it's, well, somebody gonna help him with that. Yeah, well, either or. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's not gonna be any way he's gonna be able to survive. Man, he's yeah. not even built like that. Just, I don't even understand me having my own daughter and having the, um, you know, the due diligence of of being a father to other ch- kids as well. You know, adopting these these young children and um, young younger girls. Just my whole thing is protect, serve, provide, you know, everything else is outside of just insanity. Yeah. Now, when you have individuals like this who, because just like you said, reputable and they're able to give, get this silver spoon of like, nah, he can't, he shouldn't, he wouldn't, he's this good guy. But most society creates the monster as this big black brute, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's what society creates. The big black brute is the one you got to worry about. He's going to be the one that's molesting your child. He's going to be the one that's going to be raping your child. But look at all the characters that are being in front of this molestation, in front of the rape. And it's all these guys that are reputable, all these guys that you don't um, believe or consider or there was no way. Why would they right have access? And they're white. If you, if you got 135 cases, that number's probably about 200. And the negligence for um, the U.S. Olympics to have this kind of pedophile in their system for this period of time, this long, they should be reprimanded to the, the highest degree. And this is the U.S. Uh, the U.S. team, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. The U.S. team needs to be looked at. It needs to be investigated because what we looked at when we talked about Joe Paterno and the whole Penn State thing. Yeah. The, the – um, fact that they kind of had this um pedophile and it looked out for Sandusky in their system because they were more worried about the win not the people that this predator was raping molesting and all that they were more worried about the win the prestige the um the uh, uh legacy and the franchise that is the Nittany Lions, that they kind of looked over, said, eh, we don't see anything, right? Because yeah. as long as it didn't affect the football field, we ain't going to talk about it. Yeah. But here it is, complacency to, to allow these things to happen, and now you still see Penn State coming back on a national level. To me, it's like ludicrous. It's like they, they should even get the light of day because they were complicit with the the uh the situation that Sandusky was do- going through and yeah. doing. If you don't remember the Penn State situation, because it's been a few years removed, and that name, aside from his son, hasn't circulated too much. That was so shady because he was Sandusky, uh, Jerry Sandusky, uh, may he rest in piss, was uh, not even an employee of Penn State. Like he didn't have a job there, but he had an office there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like he was caught up touching uh, the students. Or the football players, he had a program implemented where they were busing school kids onto Penn State campus so he could molest them. Like he had a whole little little, little system set up. Like I say he didn't work at the school. You know his office is right down the hall from from Paterno. You know just doing all kind of extracurricular wrongness and did nobody say nothing. And they had what a four year. Little suspension from bowl yeah, play, which year, meant nothing, and that, and which it, is one cycle for exactly. a student. And in the reality of it all, um, you know, me being a comp- conspiracy theorist on certain levels, 
Um, and that was just to get Joe Paterno out because he was never going to leave, right? He was going to die. Yeah, he was going to die there. And it's like we have no time for him to die because it don't look like he was going to die anytime soon. And um, within freaking, what, six months or something I like that? I think that story killed him. That, it, it did kill him. I think that's, yeah. Because football was his life. And his whole legacy was just destroyed, destroyed before his very eyes. Right? Yeah. And now they want to start trying to bring back trophies and they bring statues back, and all yeah. these kind of crap. And it's to be honest with you, I'm going to tell you right now, man. If you know someone is doing that, you are just as bad as that person victimizing these victims. Yeah. You're just as bad you to be a car. You know what I'm saying? You're the you real know, man. I don't give a shit about what you've done and, and, and what stuff you've done on the football field. You know, you got the guy, what's his name? Um, what Darren Sharper, right? Yeah. Great football player, right? But I'm going to remember him not because he played for the Green Bay Packers or helped uh, um, New Orleans Saints win a Super Bowl. I'm going to remember him as a guy that had his whole career ahead of him on the broadcasting side, but he was a fucking serial rapist putting uh, damn date drugs in these women's drinks and just raping women all over state. That's what I'm going to remember yeah. him for. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I'm not going to remember that because if you are scumbag off the field, I'm going to look at you like a scumbag on the field. That's my thing. I'm not going to take take away and say, oh, well, he was such a great... Nah, man, that guy was a piece of shit. Yeah, and he'll walk. I mean, he's going to do 20, 22. You know, he went in at 42. <laughs> I mean, granted, something crazy don't happen. You know, he'll be back out there in the streets. Yeah, but at the same time, he's going to be back on the street, what, whittled at 60? 60. Hey, OJ 70, he's still out there. But that's different. OJ has, you know, I get it, but OJ is a different kind of, you know, celebrity. And this guy is kind of like, he doesn't have that type of OJ aura. No. And And OJ wasn't, you know, lucky for him, he wasn't convicted for the murder, right? So he can always have that. This dude has been convicted of numerous, numerous rapes. And the crazy thing about it is, this is how you have to really step away from, you know, these individuals. I had a homeboy, dude, that's doing life right now for um for rape. Yeah. And I remember when we first started hanging out, you know, and, I, and it was this rumor, you know, him having um, this situation with this girl, like this girl that he was dating. He's like, he raped her. I'm like, dude, do you really, what's going on with you? He's like, oh, no, nah, man, she lying, blah, blah, blah. So as a friend, I'm like, all right, well, you know, because I'm running around to him. We getting girls. And yeah. They ain't, you know what I'm saying? No one's. Yeah, yeah. We're not stressing, right? They they coming to us. Then another allegation. I was like, well, hold on. This, I mean, I need to step back from this dude. You know what I mean? Because yeah. this is more than one within like a year frame. And next thing you know, he goes to jail for whatever reason. And um, he did a long, long, uh, a long bid. Comes out. I remember I had moved out the area. My daughter's mom was like, "Yo, um, your boy's been around my crib." I said, "What? What do you mean?" Then it, she, literally, he was sitting in the parking lot, right? And I wasn't living there no more, so it's yeah. not because I'm there. And um, she said one night he knocked on the door. She's like, "Yeah, can I help you? What's going on? You know, Barry doesn't live here no more." He's like, "Oh no, I just wanted to say hi to you." He's like, "Okay, hi." And she had remembered that she had been out there. He had been out there like some several days. And he just like, okay. And she's like, all right, hurry up, close the door. And then she called the police, right? And she said that, you know, after that, he never, um, you know, came by. And she also said, oh, yeah, um, let me call Barry for you. And, oh, no, that's all good. Come to find out, yo, like this dude 
he gets shipped to LA because some other stuff violation, and he is out here raping prostitutes. Yeah. Where one particular time a prostitute actually bites his tongue off while she's getting raped. There are a lot of uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, like folks out there. Dude, this is like my partner, partner, right? And yeah. I'm thinking, and it's like, are you freaking kidding me? So I have zero tolerance. When it comes to like sexual assaults, yeah. um, when it comes to this molestation shit, uh, this um, inappropriate touching, I don't even, I don't feel it. I just got a partner that just went down for some um, um, sexually inappropriate uh, behavior, and he was a math teacher, yeah, right. And, and 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 to my head, it was like a guy you would never even think that would be put in this position or put himself in this kind of position. And it's like, dude, what are you thinking? Whether, whether you know, you did it because, you know, the girls were kind of approaching you, whatever. If they are underage. They're underage. They're underage, right? You, you can't. There's, 15 to get you 20. The days where a lot of, like, because me and my homeboy was talking about the other day, it was like kind of a norm, like older dudes was hitting on younger chicks, right? Yeah. There was R. Kelly's way before R. Kelly. Sophomore in high school, got a 20-year-old boyfriend. Yeah. yeah, the whole bit, right? Even worse, 24-year-olds yeah. fucking up. Pulling up to the club, to the school. Yeah. You know, with a car. Yeah, pick, grabbing them all. Picking like, up right, freshmen and sophomores. And then everyone's yeah, yeah. partying, all that shit. I get it, right? That was kind of all right. You know, you got it. But even in that moment, there was a big scandal that happened when I was um, living um, in Marin. And um, it was a big sex scandal, and that shit blew the fuck up when uh, a judge's daughter was a part of this uh, coalition, yeah. and that got found out. And one girl who was a, a dear friend of mine, she was doing therapy, and she was talking about the the sexual episodes that she was having with these older guys, and the yeah. whole shit hit the fan, right? And it was crazy because guys got and went to jail over this shit, right? Yeah. So at the beginning, it was like, oh, yeah, that's just a normal. But then shit got real when motherfuckers started going to jail. Which is what I think needs to happen. Because, I mean, I was maybe 22, 23, and I was doing some volunteer work as a crisis rape prevention center or whatever. And and I actually know the mother of one of the girls involved in the Darren Sharper situation. Mm. And, you know, just... The, the trauma that, that the young lady's going through. I mean, she was in her 20s. She was grown. Uh, but, I mean, just the, the the damage that's done. Yeah. You know, and I have no sympathy for these for these no. folks. No, I'm just saying, I, I just, for my own personal thing, when, I don't even know if you can, what, jail time to me is not an equivalent. Yeah. I mean, I think what you take from somebody when you assault them in that way it, it, you having to go sit down somewhere for a certain number of years is not one for one. Mm. You know, uh, I, I, I think if you're really trying to do the eye for eye, you know, Bubba Leroy and Skillet need to come see you. <laughs> It'd it be waiting in your bedroom for you when, when you come into the cell. And then we start, talk, start talking about, you know, uh, an actual the punishment fitting the crime. Mm. Uh, but just, you know, being told just to, you got to go sit down somewhere. I don't, I don't think that does anything. But I think that so we have all these cases where these, you know, kids are just being left out there to fend for themselves. And I look at what culpability do we put on on the parents? Mm. When you take a Darren Sharper situation. He, he was sexually assaulting grown ass women. 
So you can make the, you know, that's one thing. But all the situation where you start talking about children, do we even put any blame on the parents? Um, or is that the case of you don't blame, it's not necessarily blaming the victim, but if, if you get robbed, you don't sit there and say, well, you were standing in the wrong place. You just blame the person who robbed you. If you have someone that comes after your children, should you have to deal with a little something? I, but it, in every case, um, it it's different, right? You know, you have some cases, I think, with, um, you know, when, you, when we talk about Sandusky, you had parents that were just probably hearing this guy, um, you know, because folks, you know, African-Americans, we tend to believe that when white folks come through with their car salesman um, kind of attitude and their spill, that they... Best intentions. Yeah, their detentions are great and, you know, they can't... They, why would they lie, right? Um, so... You always look at that. I'm trying to get my child outside of this extremity, right? Yeah. So you want to give them the best opportunities. So in some senses, how do you really know, right? You know, you could do a background check, as we can see, and people can still go under uh, uh, the radar and yeah. things can happen. So there are cases where it's like, damn, how as a parent do you really know you're okay? I'm like that just here locally. Um, the head, one of the, the coaches from the sack with John F. Kennedy's um soccer team, yeah, yeah, human trafficking, Hum, sex, yeah. Tra sex trafficking, like the, the TV teachers at the, at the high school, like, come on, for sex trafficking, yeah. So, you don't you, you bring your children to school, to a place <laughs> that's going to be safe, so what you don't expect that, right? Yeah, but then there's other cases where you have parents that are, are um negligent parents that are um totally. Uh, ignorant to what's going on or don't necessarily care, right? Yeah. So it's easy for predators to come through because there's no parental guidance or there's no um, real parenting going on, right? Yeah. So like, take these motherfuckers because I can't handle them anyway, right? Yeah. So it's like, oh, I know Johnny just got out of, of prison, but I'm just going to go ahead and let you take care of them because I ain't got no one else to take care of them. Yeah. So in that kind of sense, statistically, yeah. most molesters didn't break in. They would your parents opened the door for them. Yeah. So, so so they were most 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 statistically most cases of molestation and child abuse was done by somebody who you let in the front door. Yeah. So in those senses, in those cases, yeah, I think sometimes you know you need to hold parents to a higher degree on that. But then there's other places where, like I say, you got coaches. You know, you got mentors, you know yeah. what I'm saying? You got real family friends that you, you're you swapping children with yeah. that you believe have all good intentions, right? Yeah, because I, I think it's tough because we have all these, you get multiple reports and cases of where the child comes to the parent and says, you know, Uncle Clarence touched me. You know, Coach, Coach Jones, you know, did something that I'm not comfortable with. And for whatever reason... They're not believed or it's dismissed or whatever. Now, if this was done, if the child went to the coach and said, hey, this teacher touched me and the coach didn't do anything about the accusation, we would hold the coach accountable right along with the teacher who touched him because the, the student came to you and told you you did nothing about it. And so and it continued to go on. We would hold you both accountable. But when a parent is told and the parent doesn't do anything about it. And then it continues on. We just kind of like, mm, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just, 
me as my as a parent, I'm that's what I'm asking you because you 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 know I know. I, I mean, I'm always asking questions, and yeah. I'm never, you know, from godfathers to cousins, I'm never uh, look. I'm looking at everybody funny. You know what yeah. I'm saying? That's just me. I don't I don't care who you are. I just I just I just don't think people have the capacity to um, really, in a proper lens, look at what could happen right yeah i know i have because we we a lot of us in society nowadays we move off impulse yeah everything is impulsive nowadays right you know social media oh yeah react right so now more than ever you got folks that are not even thinking like me myself i'm thinking all the time right i'm like oh shit if i hmm just going into this maybe dealing with a female damn if i do this with her maybe mm, if i grab this ah, i'm thinking yeah what is going to happen if within the minute I do it and then 10 minutes after, yeah. right, where folks are just in post, bam, and they think, oh, man, okay, I'm just going to just tell them that I'm my fault. I just was not, I didn't know. I, I just was feeling angry and, and creating this excuse mechanism, and it's not going to work. So I think with parents, you got to constantly talk to your child, man. Got to constantly do the checkups. You got to constantly check, and then you also have to be very upfront with individuals who are around your child about how you feel and what you would do yeah. if these things happen, right? So cats can kind of know, like, okay, you know what, I might want to leave that kid alone. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And let your child know that it's okay if someone does something like that to you for you to come to them, and you don't need to worry about a threat of I'll. You'll die. You'll get killed. If that's going to be your last breath right then and there, then let that be your last breath as long as you're fighting and saying, uh-uh. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that we get into this situation where we don't allow our kids to be able to speak up. And then when they do speak up, we want to just pretend, like you said, when you talk about the guy from the Olympics, he's so reputable that, oh, there could be no way. You look at Woody Allen, like, well, he's Woody Allen. Come on. You know what yeah. I'm saying? You're looking at um, Harvey Weinstein. Well, he's Harvey Weinstein. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. Right? Who, ca- who cares about these titles? Who cares about uh, uh, um, these this, this alleged credibility to these people? But what kind of credibility do they have to being around young women? Or young boys, you know what I'm saying? We don't. There's not a a level grade of well, the way he's around this person and that person. We don't know what's going on in people's hearts and minds, man. Yeah, I mean, the fact is, we elected a president who was fighting a rape charge. No, we uh, talk about that. But, guy. I'm saying so, <laughs> we don't I'm, get on him. It, I know. Yeah, he had a, he had a rape charge that just magically went away. You know, because remember the election was in November. He was supposed to go to court in December, and then all of a sudden the, the allegations dropped. I think the girl probably disappeared. They didn't got that her in a witness off. relocation program. They didn't hit her with the Men in Black neuralizer. You just looking at this like, Psh, uh, you that never happened. You've never met Donald Trump. Uh, you know, we we the whole. I get that. What, what, what you've done professionally, we try to say that that has anything to do with your your character, your yeah. integrity, whatever, yeah. on, on how that sliding scale. Because I'm a firm believer. I don't believe Mike Tyson raped that woman. No, he got set up. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it, everybody, he was convicted because they even the jurors said he was a big, black, angry looking man. Yeah. And I was a, I was intimidated and afraid of him, <laughs> like as a juror, like so I'm sitting there looking at him, you know, leering from across the room and I felt afraid. So I'm pretty sure he did it. I don't believe, you know, all the things that that man done cop to in his life. He already did the time. 
So I mean, he could very easily say, you know, yeah, I fucked up, yeah. but but I I don't think he did that. Um, so when we look at, because this is something interesting, a, a mutual friend we have posted something this past week, and uh, the question Are we was, sure they're mutual friends or yeah, yeah, they're on our friends list. No, no, no. She people. She people. Oh, okay. She. Okay. And uh, it was addressed. Because I don't like a lot of people, and a lot of people don't like me. I get that. It was addressed in forgiveness. And and the question was, uh, can forgiveness be a bad thing? More so looking like, uh, do we let too much slide? Do we let too much go? Do we forgive as a people, as black people? Do we do we forgive too many too many things? Do we give too many folks passes? And on the subject that we on, is any of this something that can be forgivable? You know what I'm saying? Like we can look past somebody selling drugs, we can look past somebody hitting women, we can even look past murders. We we can we can put we can compartmentalize a situation where we can say we I can understand why you had to take somebody's life. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like we that molestation shit, that 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 rape shit. Is that something that could be forgivable? That the shit. Um, certain age levels when you don't know, you don't know, right? Okay. There's certain times you just don't know, you know. Little kids playing with each other, whatever, you know. They don't. What are they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, kindergartners playing doctor, playing house. You know what I'm saying? Doing all that shit. You know, what do they know? They're not. They got their body parts. You just trying to play whatever. What you know? You have no clue, right? Yeah. Um. But then everything else. As you get to a certain age and you kind of know what uh, could play out psychologically in the long term, I think that, you know, um, if that's in your will to forgive, I mean, so be that for your conscience. But I don't I'm never going to sit there and try to, you know, convince somebody to because I I could not imagine me um, being raped or, you know, molested and just. Nah, I just, just, nah. Or, or someone doing that to my child just wouldn't, it wouldn't, it, it wouldn't be, it, it is, and especially, especially when, um, you pretty much premeditated it, um, it, 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 it was, it was really sought out, you know, yeah. you, you, you went for it in a level, and you know, you know how, I, you know, you know how, the family feels about, you know, that, that, that child or that person. And you just kind of did it anyway. And you knew, and you like, you know, the people and you just go allowed your own, um, what is that thing? Just whatever that was going on in your mind, you know what I'm saying? Whatever you needed to to get out because the sickness is so real. I I don't even know what people be thinking. Again, like I said, I don't think folks look, and they don't. There has no insight. They don't look at the long-term re- results of what the behavior or this kind of um, foulness is going to play out to be. So I think sometimes um, the ability to forgive is almost out out of the door. I don't. I don't think. I think. I think. I know, <laughs> That's just off the table. Yeah, I just don't. I mean, it sounds good, cliche. I forgive, but that shit. Think about. I mean, I. I, I just imagine like these dudes. When they come out, right? Yeah. Who got violated inside. And they come out and nobody knows but the people inside, right? Yeah. And they hold that secret. Can I imagine that shit, bro? Like coming out, oh man, you know, trying to live normal. 
and then the homie get out. Can y'all hang out and get a beer? It, yeah, you know, it, you know it, what I'm saying? It, like, it it, just, can the dude who took took your manhood from you? Can he come by and y'all get get on nah, that, get just, on the stick? You know what I'm saying? Get you mad no? Nah, just wouldn't. Just couldn't happen, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so, at the same time, um, being a young, I, I, I think depending on the levels of what happens, being a younger person, just being um, intoxicated or, or just not knowing certain parameters, uh, certain restrictions, there could be a possibility. But um, some of these things of late have been so heinous and so direct and so yeah. sought out and so thought out that it's just like, I don't... Because I, I ask, because, you know, and I, and I ask that more for us as a people, because we're the first ones that somebody will just maliciously murder our baby and... and Twenty less than twenty four hours later, we 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 hugging the shooter, we hug and say I forgive you. I, I'm I'm you know I'm, I'm giving it to Jesus and, and and I'm forgiven. You know we do that more than any other group of people yeah. I can think of. But you don't hear about that one. You know what I'm saying like I, I think that we would forgive somebody killing our child before we could forgive somebody touching our child. Yeah, I mean. I just think I'm I'm not into I'm not into forgiving. I mean I hold grudges. <laughs> That's just me. And I and you you don't even know if I hold the grudge, but I I definitely hold grudges. I I tend to to remember things a lot. You know what I'm saying? If you if you screwed me over, if you put me into some kind of position, I could fuck with you for sure on certain levels. But I never ever give you that opportunity again. And then at the same time, I'm gonna always have that in the back of my mind, right? Yeah. So um, I think black folks we are way too forgiving. We don't forgive enough of ourselves on certain levels that we need to, but just you know, if we talk about that, not even trying to spread on the sense of of just um, more violent terms, just in an idea of how MLK Day just came and everyone was marching, you know, protesting, you know, hooray, hooray, and just how we're still so forgiving in a sense of we're marching down these streets and you know we're you know showing this commitment of um what the great martin luther king jr had put down and sacrificed as far as a dream and um equality and things of that nature but we sense we it's that we have a sense that we are moving in a right direction and when i think that we're moving in a wrong direction because here we are a lot of us are marching with our own enemies you know what i'm saying the same people that um are are here with us in this dream moment are the same people that are creating this nightmare right and, yeah. and and i just you know we're we're constantly you know asking we're more or less asking for forgiveness for i don't know what we've done wrong to folks that have this vendetta as if we've done something to them when in reality we should be old right um reparations and and things of that nature for building their wealth yeah. you know what i mean and that that to me it 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 trips me out every year we 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 go through the same pattern we do the same thing you know got white folks coming out here and and it's more and more white folks that are you know coming with the rainbow coalition you know more and more white folks coming out as if they really care but then when it comes down to it these white folks aren't giving jobs these white folks are gentrifying communities and they're not speaking on real issues that are going on in the black community. And a lot of them are not helping us um, solve 
some of these real issues that are happening in the black community. So my whole thing is, well, why play fake and why pretend and why are we in this forgiving, loving mode when every time we love in that moment, outside of that moment, there ain't no love. Yeah, because something that I saw that was interesting about the about MLK Day, there was this post, and uh, it, it was something to the effect of that someone was saying, I think it's really funny that people think that Martin's I Have a Dream speech was about black people. And I was kind of like, yeah, it's funny. And we were kind of passing around amongst a bunch of friends, and there was a few people who didn't get it. And we were trying to explain to them, Martin Luther King's dream about being judged by not by the, the color of your skin, but by the content of your character and, and everybody come together was not about black people changing their perspective. You know, it wasn't about black people to not judge white people by the color of their skin because we weren't. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't that, you know, uh, everybody coming together. That wasn't a black issue. Mm -hmm. You know, that was a white issue. His dream was 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 for white Americans to to open their mind yeah. and broaden their horizon. So, yeah, I think it's interesting that when you, you whenever his day comes around, the, the perspective that's, you know, yeah, like we have something that we're supposed to be working on. Yeah. You know, that it's of the mindset that, yeah, you know, yeah, black people, we really need to work on figuring out a way to get along. Yeah, and that, and that, and that, <laughs> and that to me, it, it, it trips me out. It's like, why are we constantly, um, you know, we have the opportunities right now to kind of do things that are for us, by us, and unapologetically, but then we tend to um, derail ourselves by attaching ourselves with things that just don't work, right? You know, it yeah. doesn't work. The only way black folks get out of the m mess we're in and the rut is if you create your own power structures and your own power structures that can actually, um, you know, they can cross over to, to other things, right? You know, you start building your blocks. I mean, we start building a, a, a power base that collectively can sustain itself after that person who helped or these people that helped put it together are gone. You know yeah. what I mean? You don't have any um, clearly strong or enough reputable black communities that are striving by itself, right? We don't have institutions. No institutions, um, no systems, no institutionalized laws, right? So, you know, we have some we have some schools, okay, that, which is pretty decent, but it's, it's not enough. Um, and then we have no grocery stores. Uh, we have no banks. We Okay, we have a few, but these banks that we do have, they're no different than the Wells Fargo's of the world and things of that nature. Um, we have no hospitals, no clinics. Get what I'm talking about? We don't have any. We, the biggest one was a big story. H&M, right, and the Young Bull. Okay, so you got some brothers in Africa and sisters in Africa destroying some H&M stores. Yeah, that's awesome. But at the end of the day, when it all comes down to it, when I was in the East Coast, guess what? I saw a whole bunch of Negroes running into H&M yeah. with bags, right? You don't have any major retail stores that is owned and franchised by black people that we can go support and we can be like, oh, cool, we don't need H&M, right? Because yeah. you can sit there and ban H&M 
all day, but what you're going to go turn around and go to, you know, I'm going to go back to the Gap, well, like Banana Republic? <laughs> you're going to be in, in the situation where we're at in a lot of these areas because of these sporadic boycotts as well as uh, just the bottom line, how money's working. All the, the what is it, I think it's close to 900 between <laughs> Sears, Walmart, major st- shops closing across the country. Yeah. And the, the number one people affected are us. That's a bunch of us losing jobs. And then that's a bunch of us who don't have substitution, you know, uh, businesses to put in this place. Yeah. And so when it comes to, you know, that that rage, so take H&M about how, you know, we're going to act like we're outraged for, for a half a second. And then we'll forgive and move on because we're going to go back there to shop. It's interesting to see, like, on the forgiveness side, okay, so we'll let disrespectful owners address our athletes that we look up to and that we'll champion and put their jersey with their name on us and be like, yeah, I'm LeBron, I'm Kobe, I'm whatever. And we'll let the owners of those teams disrespect. I'm boycotting, got to week three, but, you know, <laughs> wasn't a play show on Monday night football that wasn't packed. Uh, we, we've moved past that. You know, the H&M stuff, we're we going to act like we upset. Then it's like, well, you know, they sell other stuff besides hoodies and I still need to shop. And so we back on that. Uh, on the forgiveness side, do we... Is it so misplaced? Because there was a, a young lady who had to learn. She had to feel the wrath. Old girl from from Alabama. You know, how, uh, if you saw the the video of the nineteen uh, year old going to going to Alabama who did the uh, racial rant on her uh, Instagram. And so. Uh, oh yeah, I heard a lot of. Them. So she's out there in this, in that. I hate n words. I hate this, that, whatever, whatever. She gets kicked out of her sorority. She gets expelled from school. Mm-hmm. And you know we we're cheering like when OJ got off. Yeah, but like like that was some kind of personal victory. And, and let's and let's and let's be clear though. But let's, let's, let's well, let's, let me give you the yeah. second sentence to that. So we sat there and we're gonna say that everybody sent every social media thing for that. I I hate this girl. This this that whatever. But this is the same girl in the same state. That, so uh, Alabama, where they they were, where uh, Alabama and Georgia, where, where they were playing. Yeah. And so all. And they had Kendrick perform at the uh, wow. halftime, mm. where every time the N word came up in his one of his songs, thousands and thousands of white students screaming at the top of their lungs, standing right next to their black friend, screaming it in their face. That's all that we definitely that is a definite show we got to talk about in a new future. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, do is, is it only we do we gonna act like we care? Well, don't you know what I'm saying, like, like, yeah, I get it. Let's be let's be very clear though. The only reason why this girl was out of it there is not because of the the behavior. It's because that folks don't want to deal with the bullshit that's gonna happen exactly. with that. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. So that's the only reason why let's, they, they, let's, they let's be they clear. It's not because they feel like and oh she my wasn't God, nobody. You know, this is this is well, you know, how can this happen? You know, because if you can go ahead and do that and, and judge someone, and that's the funny thing about white folks, you know, you can judge that and see that that was wrong, but you can't judge a uh, police killing an unarmed black man and see that that was wrong when that black man or, or female had nothing to do with nothing, but is dead and this police is walking. Yeah. So w- where is the moral standards that we're trying to come with? Right. Yeah. Don't don't try to get me all oh, way. Oh, so you see there's an issue right here. Right. Oh, but there's not an issue right there. So yeah, this 19 year old white girl, apparently her family wasn't nobody. Well, so, I mean, so, well, because that makes a difference. And 
all of a sudden they're like uh, sorority stepped away from her. And what was funny is, is that it was on a private line. So it wasn't on her big public post that everybody could see. It was only a stream of specific friends saw mm-hmm. this post. It was one of her friends, one of her, one of her sorority sisters that dimed her out. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, and the girl probably didn't like her, but I'm trying yeah. to tell you, anything that anyone does, whether they got clout, on, 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 you know, we'll go into the president in a second because I want to touch on that piece. Um, or if they're the president, right? You're not going to be able to say anything too racial because we had an incident here in, in Sacramento with a young girl um, at one of the high, local high schools. And um, she kind of went and said, I hate black people. And I was happy when they were getting killed by police, blah, blah, blah. That shit went viral. And that girl was in the school the next day, the, the next day. You know what I'm saying? So and it wasn't to protect the the poor kids. But it was to protect her. Protect last, her. Right? And they wanted to show like, long okay, walk the first period. oh, my God. And then they also <laughs> wanted to make sure that they show, oh, my God, we're we are stepping in the moment and we're making sure that nothing happens to these great black students. Because at the end of the day, these um, people don't give two dams about no, what's going on with black folk, man. Because if that girl got her ass beat in the parking lot before first period, they would have held the school liable because they know that this was a hotbed situation and they didn't step in front and help that girl. And that girl's family would probably would have sued. Yeah. That's why. But, go ahead. But what I'm talking about for stuff that we, we forgive when it comes to comments and stuff that are made about us. I was talking about shifting over to old 45 and, and his loose rip, his little, his loose rep. About the stuff that we act like we get upset about when we, when people say something crazy or derogatory about us, how upset or do we is it that we quick to forgive or is it that we not really care when we have situations like where the president is referring to you know nations of black and brown people, you know why are we letting them in the country anymore and why are we letting these people from these from these shithole countries come into America? We need to get more people from Norway. Not people from Haiti, El Salvador, or Africa. Well, the funny part is that nobody really remembers who and what he said, right? Then secondly, a lot of Negroes who are upset about this shit, the unfortunate part about it is they feel the same exact way as the president. They believe that these places are shitholes as well, right? I think it's just the fact that Donald Trump is, again, an easy target. Everyone wants to create this blame of racism on Trump. America has been racist. Trump is just following to suit <clears throat> and um when you have a person that makes these statements i mean you shouldn't be surprised and then on top of the statements that were being made allegedly you have um an actual law that was just passed that are now allowing haitian immigrants to come into america for a particular time so it's kind of like oh hmm, you didn't say it allegedly but now here is this Law that's saying, eh, we don't need no more of the Haitian immigrants in right now. We're not giving out any visas and stuff like that. So it's all a big mess, but it's just an operation of how America works and the reason why the Negroes have played themselves by being so forgiving, being so forgetful, and always uh, pretending that, oh, so many things have changed and things have changed for better. When it's only just gotten worse it just makes you feel better because you can live in certain areas but in reality they don't want you to be in these certain areas yeah. right so folks will live in rockland folks will live in roseville uh, uh um um and elk grove and think oh we've made it we're here they don't want you there like understand that you're not you you're not represented over there you feel me we should just all come back clean up our neighborhoods get out some of the weeds that we have 
um, grow that grass and get it right and get it back to where it needs to be. That's what we should be doing. But in a sense of you have Donald Trump, a.k.a. Um, 45, the pussy grabber, you have a president can say what he wants, do what he wants, white privilege protects him, and he speaks for a mass, but that mass is now protected by a face, and they don't mind him getting hit, hit, hit with all the BS, and they can turn around and circle around and create all these laws that are going to affect us in the next four or five years. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that we need to start addressing. I mean, I, don't, I think we need to practice more forgiveness when it deals with each other and then start being aware of how much stuff we let slide when it comes at the hands of other people. You know, not being so quick to just jump ship on our own to go around to where other folks who may or may not want you there. And I think that's true. When we sit there and leave, when we go to get around other people, it raises our ceiling. But in their eyes, it just lowers their floor. Mm-hmm. So uh, we need to focus and love ourselves a little bit more. I think these things are important, different subjects that come up, stuff that goes on in our community, in these streets and in our homes that we can't turn a blind eye and, and a closed mouth to. So we have to acknowledge these things that we see. We And we uh, definitely got to say something about them. I'm Jermaine Morris here with Barry Axius. Where can folks find you online, sir? Barry Axius, Facebook, um, Twitter, Barry Axius, and at Team Voy. Instagram and blackblueprintswithaz.com. There you go. I'm Jermaine Morris on Facebook. Every other social media platform is at J Morris CEO. This has been the Say Something Podcast. In overtime. In overtime. And until next show, holla. We'll holla at you later.